Does everybody know what time it is? A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to reap, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to laugh, a time to weep. Turn, turn, turn. It's grunt work. simple things around the house, maybe you'll think of me and grunt. You know, I'm tied to you like the buttons on your blouse, but keep me in your podcast feed for a while. Because this is Grunt Work, the only podcast about the TV series Home Improvement that was utterly unprepared to deal with a heartfelt story about grief and remembrance. (laughs) I'm your host, Truman the Condolences Man Caps, and with me as always is my co-host Landon the Undertaker Solano, and yes, Landon, before you ask, I do mean the pro wrestler, not... I was going to say, where's where's the the chimes, the the (laughs) hell's bells that start my theme song? Well, listen, I'm, you know, I'm probably, I'm probably Repo Man, and I think... I don't remember if Repo Man and The Undertaker ever fought. This is just my secondhand knowledge from Tope Suicida, the yeah, podcast. I, I was going to say, I thought, we, I thought we determined you were IRS. Oh, shit. No, I am IRS. I am IRS, the uh, pro wrestler who berates audiences based on that state's <laughs> tax laws. So, so listen up, all you California tax cheats. Thanks to Prop 13, you're not paying enough on your property taxes. And I'm going <laughs> to. I don't know. This episode's about grieving and loss and funerals. I don't know why I went into wrestling. Maybe it's I don't that's know. Easier. Well, listen, we, this is a comedy podcast, so we have to find some sort of levity uh, in Ooh. this this episode. And, and we're looking real episode, hard today. <laughs> uh, I don't want to get into my personal reflections just yet, but holy cow! Um, L- Landon, uh, yeah. I mean, what happened this week on Home Improvement? <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. Uh, Jill is just about to finish grad school and is looking forward to some relaxation and me time. But that is threatened when a phone call from her father who says he wants to come and visit uh, occurs. I forgot the verb in that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. No one will notice. No one will notice. Just keep going. I won't edit it out. I promise you. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Not feeling up to a strenuous trip from her parents, Jill lies and tells them that she is sick. However... The next day, her father dies, and she must make amends for the fact that the last thing she said to him was a lie. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's Truman, do Landon. you want to guess the title? You know, it's. I appreciate that you recognize the solemnity of this occasion and didn't do the, the over-exaggerated voice. And yes, I do want to guess that title. Oh, you mean um, the theme songs? The <laughs> Guess that title, Confetti. I I love that the theme song for Guess That Title includes a call out of the visual effect of us shooting off confetti. Not a lot of laser show. You know, when Van Halen would play, uh, they would doves. Yeah, he Eddie Van Halen would never would never shout out twirling the mic stand around. But uh, that's what makes you a better rock star than him. Thank you. Jeff, thank you. When when ELO would play, Jeff Lynn would never say, "Sitting completely still, wearing my aviator shades." But uh, again, it's it's you. Yeah, um, exactly. Okay, I have four options. Okay, all right. First option: 
Lying and Dying. Mm-hmm. 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 It's accurate. It is accurate. I feel like, again, every one of these, I'm like, this episode feels too heavy for me to be making light of, and yet here we are. <laughs> here we are. Second option, the funeral fib. Okay. All right. That feels like a home improvement title. I it, feel like it, that one that one fits in with the show. It does. It does. Next one, maybe not so much. Next one, maybe Truman scraping to uh, a little bit. Nope, nope, not going <laughs> to self-criticize. Jill's not ill. Where's dad's will? Um, just <laughs> listen. Like you, you started scraping. Sometimes you get some good stuff. Uh, I, it's not all barnacles. Is all I'm saying. Uh, thank you, thank you. Well, then this, but then I, I, I was scraping, and then after I wrote that one, I came up with one that I think is actually the best. Um, okay. Leave it to bereaver. I guess I could also have done leave leave it to Griever, but Bereaver I think is better. <laughs> that is an A-list title for sure. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um So so was I even anywhere in the neighborhood? <laughs> um no, you're not at all. Uh <laughs> It's not it's not Jill's dad's funeral, is it? They didn't go the Jill's birthday route. <laughs> Anything that happens to Jill be, just gets a bland Jill's title. Birthday, Jill's birthday. What a what a trilogy that would make. Jill's birthday, Jill's surprise party, Jill's dad's funeral. Two parties in a funeral. Not quite as <laughs> big a hit as the Hugh Grant movie. Um, okay, Chalupa Challenge is uh, null and void for the Guess Your Title and character actors anymore. We are playing a new game, which we will cover in just a minute, but yes. um, I will still give you a clue as to what this title might be. It's This might be a, tel- a telling clue, but again, nothing's on the line except your dignity, so here oh. we go. It's one word, mm-hmm. and it's also the name of a Warren Beatty movie. Okay. It's not Reds. I might have confused. It's not <laughs> Warren Beatty with another director. Wait, 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 wait. No, it's Ishtar. Eh? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I also don't know that much about Warren Beatty, except that he apparently yeah, slept no, with it's a, a t- huge <laughs> number of women. It's not Warren Beatty. It's Timothy Hutton. Oh, uh, Timothy Hutton. Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. Uh, not ordinary people. Um, 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 um. George C. Scott is in it. Tom Cruise, Sean Penn, mm. Ronnie Cox from RoboCop. Oh God, this is. A, I I know what you're talking about, and this is so, so difficult. Earl Hinman is in it. Holy fuck. Earl Hinman isn't? Oh, well, God, now I need to know. This, um, they must have chosen it because of this. God damn it. I know this. It's a one... Mm, 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 re- remembrance? Mm. What, what Taps. is it? Taps. What is it? Taps. Taps. Okay, you know what? Actually, what I was thinking of... Um, what I was thinking, I was thinking of a one-word Timothy Hutton property, and I realized what I was thinking of is Leverage, the basic cable heist show that he was on for like five years. That definitely was not it. Okay, my B, my B, everybody. Yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting as I'm looking at this now. I, um, yeah, Taps uh, came out in 1981, directed by Harold Becker. Uh, Earl Hinman plays Lieutenant Hansen in it. 
Wow. So that has to be a call out to, to to Wilson. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh and you know, I feel like a lot of people mistook Jonathan Taylor Thomas for being one of the members of Hanson, so maybe Lieutenant <laughs> Hanson I mean that could also be a tie into that as well. <laughs> I <laughs> Uh, yeah, they had a soothsayer working on the yeah. set of the movie to do tie-ins to future uh, future sitcom properties. Say, that you're supporting starting to sound a lot more like me. What I don't know what's in store for season seven, but if it's me having to confront my behavior through you, I don't know that I'm ready for that. It, this this whole show is one big long intervention, Landon. Um, <laughs> this episode aired on May thirteenth, nineteen ninety seven. Directed by Peter Bonners and written by. Bruce Ferber and Lloyd Garver. Okay. Um, okay. Okay is for sure. Uh, before we go into personal reflections, want to bring up the new game we're playing. Oh, yes. And of course. We're, we're going to put a ring on it at the beginning of Season 7, but we're still testing this thing out. Um, the game for the new Chalupa Challenge is Pee-wee's Playhouse Rules. I've written a word or phrase that you must say at some point in this episode, and if you do... The listeners get the chalupas. So, uh, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I want listeners to know what the phrase is, but clearly you can't know. So, I'm going to put you on mute. Yes. And I'm going to tell everyone what the secret word is. Ready? All right. Yes, I'm ready. I'm going into my cone of silence now. The secret word, or secret phrase, is stars and stripes. <laughs> oh, Truman, how did you feel about this episode, buddy? Landon, I felt like this episode hit pretty close to home for me uh, mm-hmm. because, um, you know, I have um, I, I've been pretty close to some uh, loss and some bereavement recently. Yeah. I've been, you know, I'm not going to go too much into detail on it, but I've been in kind of a, a Tim role supporting uh, somebody I'm close to going through some loss. And so, honestly, watching this episode, first and foremost, it was kind of like... I, I was sort of thrown back into that mm. and and found mm. myself just feeling more emotionally connected to the show than I have in a while. Um, mm-hmm. This episode is not funny, really. Uh, it's not no. trying to be, so that's not a criticism. But I'm it, just, it still has a few laughs in it, though. It, it undoubtedly does. There are a couple very funny moments in this in this yeah. episode. Um, but I. I was very impressed with how this episode tackled subjects of grief and loss. I think it told mm-hmm. a very engaging story. I think it gave Jill the spotlight in a really beautiful way. And mm-hmm. more than anything, it gave Patricia Richardson and Tim Allen some opportunities to do just incredible acting together. Yeah. I, I This is reminiscent of what we were discussing a couple episodes ago in um, the, the Cleveland episode, Family Unties. Yeah. Um, yep. More just really nuanced and and subtle and heartfelt performances from both of them that is really just a testament to what fabulous actors patricia richardson and tim allen really are and what they're capable of doing so Uh, i this episode was a full meal (laughs) you are so much more eloquent with your personal reflections than i am (laughs) my note was what the fuck is up, Home Improvement? Why are you gunning for my e- tear ducts? Yeah, why Why are they gunning for our tear ducts, dude? <laughs> why is this show making us have so many feels all of a sudden? That's not what I this signed season, up for. Listen, I, I think it's, it's I, you know, you, when you're podcasting, you let a little, it's inevitable that a part of yourself goes along with it. And mm. as much as I try to, uh, you know, shield my private life, 
sometimes you can't hide it, and season six has really brought out <laughs> to the forefront some some issues I clearly need to deal with. Uh, and <laughs> Tim Taylor is your therapist. There's this is the third episode, and not too many. In, in like the last, I don't know, seven episodes, three and seven is a huge ratio where I'm like, um, maybe, maybe there's something there that I got to yeah. <laughs> unpack with a therapist. Um, so that's weird and slightly embarrassing to have to go through in public, but you know, uh, I'm well, all about betterment and self-help and, and self-improvement. So let's do I, it. I, I mean, well, listen, listen, and and say what you will about doing it in public on our podcast. Just imagine how much more embarrassing it would be if it was the 90s and if you were, <laughs> like everyone was, watching the new episode of Home Improvement in a sports bar surrounded by all your bros from the <laughs> assembly line, I guess, where everyone worked, and yeah. you were crying there in, in, the, in, the, in the TGI Fridays or whatever, and everyone was laughing at it. I mean, at least... Now, you know, we're having these emotional experiences with home improvement in the privacy of our homes and then talking about the emotional experiences on our yeah. terms. That's fair. That's to, fair. Um, to, an, to an audience of listeners who knows by now that we cannot just, it would kill us to just have an ordinary reaction to this show. Like, we can't, we can't, <laughs> we can't watch an episode of this show and just be like, oh, it was a TV show. We have to, like, feel something about it or get angry yeah. about it or talk about feminism for two hours. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think we, we are required to do do any of those things it just uh, there it's <laughs> certain triggers that that just we our buttons are pushed and like a monkey slapping symbols together that just happens <laughs> like the like the uh, cockpit of the millennium falcon we have lots and lots of buttons and it's not clear what pushing <laughs> them will do uh i have one more personal reflection yeah yeah, which yeah is, reflect um, man, reflect that uh, this is kind of how i like to see the rest of these seasons go, you know, as we go into the penultimate season, uh, you know, in a few months here, um, I don't know. There's, I think the, the last chunk of episodes have been good, uh, in how they, they go back and forth between like a goofy episode and then a serious ish episode. And when I say serious, I mean, maybe, maybe not this serious, but like, this is pretty serious, but yeah. Yeah. Like family untied where they're like dealing with a a real world thing and they're not Mm -hmm. making a joke about it. And they're not trying to like, just put a bandaid solution on one of Tim's, you know, fuck ups. It's like, yeah, becomes something and then go back to something a little more conceptual, you know, uh, a little more, you know, have them shrink down to four, four feet, do a musical (laughs) episode, you know, whatever the fuck it might be. Like, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, Yeah. Rather than, you know, I I feel like at this point they've kind of abandoned or, or at least tampered down their original mission statement to say what you know the exploration of what it's like about men and women living together and now it's just like oh what it's like for them to live together is that they're a family and have to deal with things <laughs> I, I i completely agree with you i i, I agree with that assessment 100 percent. i would be remiss if i didn't point out the exception that proves the rule the last episode was totally about how men and women live together in the 90s but aside yeah. from that, that like the gender <laughs> politics of it has not been a thing in a while, yeah. up uh, except yeah. for that episode. I would agree with your assessment. Otherwise, um, uh, it's not yeah. even an assessment. It's just a, a, a statement of you know this is what I'd like to see. Like that. That's what I I would hope. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens in season seven. I'm not sure. Um, we'll we'll okay. get a we'll get a new opening title sequence. Supposedly, I still don't buy it. 
<laughs> Truman, let's lower the flag to half-mast while we perform our 21-gun salute that we call the deep dive. <laughs> that's that's whistling in so it doesn't do wind in the microphone. That's a podcasting pro right there. So we open <laughs> we at do. home we uh, on uh, Tim sitting on the couch with the grunt creep jumping up and down on the couch beside Tim and then face planting off the couch. No, he isn't. No, 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 no. He isn't face planting. Ha 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 ha. What? Back up. I'll, back the grunt creep train up. I, I can't back up that far. We're like a second in, <laughs> <laughs> which is also why I want to immediately go on a tangent because it's going to be weird to do it later on. Of course. Um, the grunt creep is jumping up and down on the couch, mm-hmm. uh, and a number of theories drop for me. First of all, yes. he doesn't j- jump off the couch. He jumps up and then dives into uh between the two cushions so it looks like he's like jumping into the void Mm -hmm. um or he's looking for some change now here here's two two thoughts i'm giving you two theories here and (laughs) you have to pick one oh god Uh, our our listeners are paying us for you to pick one of these it has to be one of these two all right all right sophie's choice action i'm I'm ready for it (laughs) okay theory one harkens back to a theory i've had before that the grunt creep is actually a manifestation or a a avatar for Mark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what so, I find interesting about the grunt creep's behavior here yeah. is that he's a little bit littler than we normally see him, i.e. Uh, the... the you, you, got a, you got a fucking tape measure up at the screen, and you're measuring how big the grunt creep is? I <laughs> Proportionally, you... it's a little bit smaller than we normally see it. That's all I'm saying. Okay, well, Dustin if you, if Hoffman and Rain that, Man, that I'm, that I'm hosting a podcast with, you can just tell by looking <laughs> you... at the screen how big the grunt creep is. Go on. Go on, fine, Landon. Go on. Two, okay. 246. So... Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Theory one is that, is that the grunt creep is... Uh, some sort of connection to Mark. Um, the the proof here is that Mark, especially as we saw in the insult to injury episode, um, that brought it to the forefront, cannot get Tim's attention for anything. He's always left out. And the grunt creep's behavior here is that he's jumping up and down, waving his arms in the air, trying to get desperately get Tim's attention, who just ignores him and continues to read the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's theory one. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Your ellipses say volumes. Theory two. <laughs> I mean, hinges. I I'm, I'm waiting for all of it before I weigh in. <laughs> Theory two hinges on the fact that the grunt creep is littler. So, uh, <laughs> okay, are we dealing with a grunt creep junior? Is the grunt creep producing more grunt creeps somehow? Yeah, that that presupposes the existence of a Mrs. Grunt Creep. And and then an active and robust sex life between them, which, oh man, I don't like to think about, but also this house is the perfect environment for it with the long-discussed, much ballyhooed fuck spots in the house that Tim has built. Um, I'm still gonna... And one of the fuck spots for the grunt creep is between the couch cushions. Oh no, dude, no. Don't, oh man, um... <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm only going to endorse the grunt creep channeling Mark option because well, for two reasons. One because the alternative is too horrifying for me to okay. contemplate or want to dignify uh-huh. with this show's official uh, endorsement. Well, 
Well, I will say, just if you need some other uh, evidence or support for the other theory, is that, you know, we don't need to be putting our hem- uh, heteronormative ideas on how they reproduce. Maybe it's some sort of, you know, they live in the transition world. They live in the void, for Christ's sake. It could just be like cells splitting. Like <laughs> one day the O falls out of the Home Improvement logo and becomes its own Home Improvement logo. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's not even... I mean, that's not even heteronormative. That's just like sexual reproduction normative. <laughs> like that's that's what we. It, this is the national national asexual reproduction day of visibility. Basically, I need I, I need to recognize my prejudices and that I'm not considering forms of offspring that are created through anything other than two people doing it or two uh, creep yeah, beings exactly. doing it. Even even then, I'm still talking about stuff that I don't want to be thinking about. I still think that it's Mark for no other reason than that maybe the Grunt Creep is trying to signal to Tim, hey, hey, it's me, Mark. My suit is too small. It might become an issue in a little bit. Let Can we work on this because it takes a long time to buy new suits? That That's my that's my thinking. Although um, German- my nightmares will be haunted by all of the ideas you've given me, so thanks a lot for that, Landon. We don't have any time to waste today. We have to oh, get out this. back to this old canard. <laughs> Great. Okay, well. And as we enter hour three of act one, um, so... Of second one. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, yeah. So, so the door opens. Tim comes in. She's got her grades. <laughs> and she's yeah. so excited because she's got a 4.0 average. Yes. I, 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 I guess I didn't realize that they still, like even in grad school, that GPA was still a thing. I, I don't know. Shows well, what I know. Question. I didn't go to grad yeah, school. Yeah, I've never, I didn't go to grad school. So, uh, yeah. yeah I don't know. Is yeah. it like a pa- pass-fail thing? Is that what you thought? I, I don't know what I thought. I just kind of figured like grad school, you have like three classes, but like I, the whole, I thought the whole reason for GPA in high school was so colleges could decide whether they wanted you or not. And then GPA in college was so grad school could decide if it wanted you or not. And then like grad school, like what's the point? And I guess, well then how does a PhD PhD decide if they want you or not? Shit. You're right. Okay. I guess they do have grade point averages and I guess academia is kind of a, kind of a hamster wheel. Um, (laughs) so, yep. So Jill, Jill is relishing, uh, not lamenting, but relishing her her good grades. And she says, Tim, do you have any idea how satisfying it is to get straight A's? And (laughs) Tim just looks at her for a long time. And Jill just goes, sorry. (laughs) Uh, You mentioned it earlier in the season that uh, you hoped, and I'm glad that we are seeing it come to fruition of them playing the negative space of a joke. Oh, my God. Uh, It's so good. It's, It's so much better. And uh, it's even followed up by something sweet where after he does that, um, he then like genuinely congratulates her. Yeah. Yeah. He says congratulations and he kisses her. And it's like, yeah, Tim, like I, I'm, I will buy so much of the Tim Taylor character if it is conveyed through awkward silences, <laughs> meaningful looks and just moments of sweetness. Like I, like all. Tim can be the same person, but if he's just getting these things across through like awkward looks, I, I, my alt comedy sensibilities love that. I guess I, I'm sure that uh, Tim Allen is rolling over in his grave hearing you talk about alternative comedy in regards to his performance. But Landon, what did you do to Tim Allen? I thought he was still alive. <laughs> Wait, let's keep going forward. We don't have any time to waste. Well, we're breaking um, big news on this podcast. This is going to be our most downloaded episode. Um, uh, 
she says she's excited because just in one more week she can uh, relax, just have some me time. She puts her feet up at the she says at the kitchen table, puts her feet up, opens a magazine, and like she she's like she's been exhausted. She's mm-hmm. like just she's she's wiped out, man. She yeah, and I understand raising a family. Let me rephrase that. Raising the Taylors. Yes. And going to grad school at the same time. Hi, yeah, yeah, I can't even imagine. Nor- normally raising three kids is a piece of cake. It's a cinch. You could do it in your sleep. These three, though. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, but so she's all ready to relax and announces her intention to not do anything. And, then, and Tim and the boys validate that. And then the phone rings and Tim goes, hey, honey, can you get that? And... Uh, which With is a look, the she, same joke as last week of him throwing the the laundry the, the, at her yeah, and saying, "Hey, yeah. yeah," but it's handled so much better. Yeah, because you know he goes, oh, "I'll get it." <laughs> yeah, because because again, negative space. She just gives yeah. him a look, and Tim picks up on it. It just yeah, dialogue is often the least effective way to convey ideas in a script. That's a little tip <laughs> from your unpublished screenwriter expert Truman. Um. <laughs> So yeah, Tim gets the who's phone. On the phone. Who's on the phone? I'll tell who you who's called? on the phone. It's tell me. It's okay. It's not the general who uh, sells us a cheap car insurance with his best friend Shaq. It's the colonel who uh, is with Jill's his, dad with his Kentucky recipe. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's eleven herbs and spices, and the identity of the what are they? Keeps List changing. them in alphabetical order. Uh, uh, well, okay. I mean, um, based on based on the five herbs and seven spices that he follows on Twitter, uh, <laughs> it's it's all five of the Spice Girls, and then a bunch of dudes named Herb, and I don't know them uh, alphabetically. <laughs> now, it's it's a shame though. I do have the secret recipe for Coke, but you didn't ask me for that. Oops. Oh well. But that's actually our new Chalupa challenge going the other way, is that if Landon has to say all of the secret ingredients for Coke, and if he gets it right, then everybody gets a Coke. But the, the problem is, once you know what's in it, you won't want to drink it anymore, believe me. <laughs> uh, I already don't want to drink it. Um, okay, who's on the phone? Tell us, Truman. Who's on the phone? Well, as as I said, it's the Colonel, not the fried oh, right, chicken right. Colonel, the much less fun version, uh, the Jill's dad Colonel. Uh, and although he... I'm surprised they haven't got Emmett Walsh to do one of those uh, Colonel commercials yet. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're gonna get around to everybody. I mean, I, I'm actually they booked me to do one next week, uh, so <laughs> I mean that's gonna be some money in the bank. I still will right. not eat at KFC though, because uh, I'm a, I'm Popeyes man through and through. Uh, so. <laughs> Anyway, so it's the colonel on the phone, and Tim is talking to him, and we only hear Tim's side of the conversation, but essentially they've got some, you know, the colonel and the wife, Jill's mom, have got some uh, frequent flyer miles, and they're basically Mm -hmm. inviting themselves up to come and stay with uh, the family next week, and Jill, we can see her reacting to this, adamantly does not want to have to host her family. She wants to relax. She wants to enjoy her hard-earned relaxation time, and is signaling for Tim, saying no. And Tim says, uh, 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 let me just give you to Jill, rather than doing the line himself and taking the cue yeah. from his wife. So uh, Jill takes the phone and starts talking to her dad and, uh, you know, basically starts coughing and saying, oh, I'd love I'd love to host you, but I'm just I'm just really sick. I've got the flu and a head cold and an Jeez. ear infection. So good at it. Like, yes, you you this is a trope, right? I mean, the person calling into sick going, oh, I have a cold. <clears throat> Cough, oof, oof, uh, sniffle. Like, she 
is I don't know if she like was sick when she was doing this and was <laughs> acting not being sick, but like her cough and like stuffy nose flu voice is so perfect. Patricia Richardson is such a good actor that even in character as someone acting, she's a great (laughs) actress. Like, yes, but in a way that makes her, I guess, a bad actor in that she can't portray someone who's not a good actor. So maybe actually this is a point away from Patricia Richardson. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, the, the scene isn't asking her to be a bad actor about it. True, and in fact, the scene is asking her to be a convincing actor because her whole family then thinks that she's sick for the rest of the episode. Yeah, okay. So she is a convincing actor playing a convincing actor that plays convincingly. Jill, uh, look, Patricia Richardson completely understood the assignment. She knocked it out of the park. Emmy material. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, she very convincingly fakes cold symptoms on the phone and says, oh no, I mean, I just have to come visit some other time. Okay, I love you. They, They then, she then wraps up this phone call with a parent remarkably quickly i mean <laughs> it's the least believable thing in this episode absolutely right it's like oh you're sick oh okay well then i guess we won't come visit okay bye not gonna ask any <laughs> other questions about how you're doing not gonna tell you any long stories about what our friends are up to in texas it's amazing <laughs> to me it was the 90s man it was a different time <laughs> yeah it was a different time when no one had the internet to get back to so everyone was like oh what are you doing oh yeah nafta huh yeah seems pretty interesting I don't know. I would argue that the the internet made us develop the delusion that other people are more interested in what we have going on because there is a greater uh, basis of reference. So Jill in 2021 is going to know her mom's friends a lot more because she sees mm. them on Facebook all the time. Mm. So there's a shorthand there allowing her mom to say, hey, you know, uh, Susan down the street? Well, uh, her husband, blah, 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 blah. As opposed to her mom in 1997 going, well, she doesn't know Susan. It would be a whole story just to catch her up to where I need to, just to give her this two-sentence thing, two thing. It's probably not worth it. Yeah, I, I, spo- I suppose you're right. I suppose you're right. That that just has now made me realize that if if Jill Taylor existed in real life, I would get on Instagram just so I could follow Jill on Instagram and see the shit she's posting. Because I feel like she would take some pretty good pictures. <laughs> Well, you can, on our Instagram for our podcast, uh, you can Ooh, follow nice Patricia Richardson, and there are Jill fan accounts that post pictures of Jill all the time. Well, okay, but I mean, I, I, I want to more see, like, pictures of just, like, Jill's day-to-day life and, like, an interesting flower she saw on her way to grad school. I don't want to either, A, see pictures of Patricia Richardson as Jill in episodes of the show that we have already watched, and with all due respect Remind- to Patricia Richardson, uh, or a bunch of stuff about the upcoming SAG-AFTRA elections, which I cannot <laughs> vote in and I'm not particularly invested in, although I do support organized labor. Um, um, let me, okay, earmark this for after the show, uh, trying to convince you to get on Instagram to do a shill marketing account for our podcast where you pose as Jill Taylor and uh, uh, create an account posting things hmm. that Jill Taylor would post. Um, okay, okay. okay. We'll, we'll talk about that afterwards. More like Shill uh, Taylor. Going. Yes, let's let's <laughs> get going. So uh, Jill claims to be sick, hangs up the phone, turns to see Tim and all the boys just staring at her. And one of the boys, I don't remember which one, says, you lied to Grandpa. And Jill goes, I didn't exactly lie. And then Randy says, then what exactly did you do? And Tim, <laughs> Tim says, there's a good explanation for this. And then he turns to Jill and says, what is it? And part... <laughs> 
Part of me's like, Tim, you know damn well what the explanation is. Don't put the screws to Jill. And then part of me's like, <laughs> yeah, right. this is funny, though. This is funny. I I find this amusing. <laughs> uh, I had the same reaction there. And, uh, yeah, the, the hesitancy I felt like was just, uh, you know, kind of shock, for, <laughs> you know, kind of, uh, what's it, flinch, flinch shock from mm-hmm. previous episodes. Just go, oh, what is this going to turn into? Yeah. Um, but... It wasn't. It was funny, and mm-hmm. it was harmless. And she tries to explain. Um, <laughs> Randy, yeah. Well, no, I mean, she he just explains, like, I'm tired. I need time for myself. I didn't want to hurt my dad's feelings. He would have been upset if I told him the truth, which is all, to, to, like, I give that my stamp of, like, yep, that's good. Self-care is important. Way to go, Jill. You learned some good stuff in psychology school. <laughs> But then Randy's like, well, okay, so then does that mean uh, when we're older and we don't want you to visit that uh, we could just lie to you and say we're sick? <laughs> and Jill explains, well, no, no, because when Tim and I are old, we'll be, you'll want to hang out with us all the time because we'll be just as cool as you as we are now. And the boys all just look at her and she goes, right, Tim? And Tim just stares at her, echoing the way he stared at her when she <laughs> asked about getting straight A's. And she just says, I'm dying here, aren't I? foreshadowing uh, yeah i did which i didn't realize until just now it's like ooh, heavy episode <laughs> um like all you're missing is the uh headstone <laughs> and uh jill turns into a uh, medusa runs through the screen and turns jill to stone <laughs> uh it says r.i.p jill taylor she falls head over heels and cracks on the bottom of the screen taking us to the theme song um I would also just say that it was kind of cool that this cold open ends with them revisiting the same thing that Jill and Tim were fretting about a couple episodes ago of like, oh, I don't want my relationship with my kids to be like my relationship with my parents is now. It's like, ooh, that's an interesting mm. coming back around. Like the, Jill, Jill and Tim were talking about their concerns about that, and now they're kind of reflecting to their kids their determination to have a better relationship with them. I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah, no, it's good consistency, I think. Uh, especially, I don't know, just this, the last half of the season has been interesting in that regard. There's been a lot of a lot of parent stuff. Um, yes. Theme song, Truman. Landon. We only, we only get to watch this one more time. I would, Look, I was actually paying attention more to it this time, and I did notice. I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, so stop me if I have. Um, okay. The boys look pretty young in the theme song, <laughs> but then you get back to the episode. And the boys are substantially older. One might even say that they're fetuses. Um, uh, you never blackout. brought this up before, and I'm shocked. Uh, this seems like it's ripe ground for conversation. I mean, I think we should, we could just really crack this open and and talk about it forever. But uh, but uh, alas, I see the next scene rushing I towards will, us. I'll, I'll tell you one thing about the the theme song that yeah. is. It's all done in this cartoony sort of video game style. The most oh, unrealistic know. thing about it, though, is at one point Mark is running through the screen that's supposed to be the garage, and there's like a half-filled tool shelf in there. Mm, mm-hmm. Tim Tim would have a fully filled tool shelf. Oh yeah. Uh, well, there's not even there's not even a car in there. There's no there's not like his actual wall of tools. It's just like one of those you know uh, one of those uh, you know wireframe tool things that's just like has a, a Tupperware thing on it. Uh, I, I'm Nothing sorry. Nothing else is in the garage. It's just a, a gray void. 
I, is so- he running into the void? And does he transform into <laughs> Grunt Creep and then go and bother Tim on the couch? Look, Landon, I'd love to indulge that, but I, I'm sorry, and I, I have to say, Landon, you ignorant slut, there's no car in the garage, and there's no tools on the pegboard, because Tim took the tools from the pegboard, put them in the car, and drove off to go build something for an on-location <laughs> tool time shoot. Obviously. <laughs> have you not been paying attention to the show? What have we been doing uh, all these years? I don't I don't know. What yeah. have we been doing all I, these I, I, I don't. I don't know. I've listened to the results, and it's not. I still don't have a conclusive answer. Uh, uh, we go from the theme song out back. Uh, yes, and we get. You know, I was thinking destroyed. about this last week. Yes. I had to replay the the episode in my head. I didn't think we got a Wilson scene, and then mm. I realized, oh no, it was at the very beginning of this uh, episode. Yeah, as it is here. Uh, yeah. As we got to the end of this episode, I was just like, did we not see Wilson? And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh no, he was in the very first uh, scene. Yeah, they, this is this is a, another case of we are contractually obligated to show three people every episode, so that's why. But at least they're including Heidi. At least they're including I, Heidi now. Good for Debbie Dunn. I, do you think that maybe uh, Leprechaun Four was part of her contract <laughs> negotiation, where it's like I need to be contracted to appear in every episode, or else I'm going to go make another Leprechaun movie. <laughs> I think I think she was pulling a Timothy Hutton and showing the producers that she had some leverage ah? by saying, if you don't listen, this is what I, I, I have over you. If you don't start giving me some time on the show, I am going to go off and become a movie star, <laughs> as you can see by Leprechaun 4. So f- 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 give, give it give it over, guys. Yeah, is she this was and this was not her agent having this conversation. This was Debbie Dunning herself. She drives a hard bargain. Um as as she is in this scene. So Wilson's yes. coming out, he's got this big wooden thing in his hands. Uh Tim says, Oh, you're having a good time with your garage sales, Al uh uh Alan Heidi helping you out over there. And Wilson's like, Oh yeah, things are going great. I, in fact I got this uh big wooden throne for you. Yeah. And he Hands over this bit. Okay, so first off, it's like, Wilson, you, this isn't how a garage sale works. Like, you don't just give shit to your neighbors. You you try to sell it. I but think whatever. once it's over and you want to get rid of it, I think you do. Oh, I guess so it's over at this point, and they're just picking yeah. over the scraps. That makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that was my understanding of it. So he tries to hand this throne to Tim over the, over the fence, and uh, Tim says, uh, thanks, but no thanks, Wilson. If I'm going to be sitting on a throne, it'll be porcelain. <sighs> Guys, people, what what happened to this show? <laughs> I still don't understand the throne thing, but whatever. We're not here to talk about that. Wait, um, wait you mean you don't understand the joke? It's a, it's pooping, Landon. It's no, more get, about I pooping. I get that. I don't. Okay. I don't understand why throne is a colloquialism for a toilet. Okay, that no, that I don't get either. Um, okay. Although uh, wait, although wait, honestly, I'm sorry, folks. If I'm looking at the. Uh, if I'm looking now at the... Oh, no, wait, never mind. I'm sorry. I was... Uh, many years ago, many years ago, one of our listeners, uh, Scott Kersey, uh bought us off of eBay some home improvement Hot Wheels that have oh, that wound right, up in yes. Tool Time Corner, which is now in my house. For a second, I thought, wait, is Tim riding on a motorized toilet in that? And I went and looked at it, and <laughs> no, su- he's riding a motorized lawnmower, but okay. that I'm surprised we haven't seen that yet. I mean, I granted, it's baby steps, right? We we have to start with the barbed wire toilet, and then we've got to go to the, um, the toilet on the uh, rower, 
Mm-hmm. Next thing yes. is going to be the motorized uh, toilet. Well, actually, yes. no, we did. We saw the motorized porter potty. Yeah, oh, yeah, I guess we did. I guess we did. Well, then the next inevitable step is obviously they all get onto a toilet that shoots them into space, and that's the series finale. <laughs> um, so uh, Al and Heidi are in Wilson's backyard, and they are fighting yeah. over an antique cheese whipper that uh, Wilson is selling. They each want it because, you know, one must whip a lot of cheese. Uh, all right, I've got something here for you, Truman. Yeah, what do you uh, got? Al, okay, so they come out. Al says, I saw it first, and I will offer you twice the asking price. And Heidi's like, no, 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 no. I want it, and I will w- double what he's offering, which then Wilson says, well, that brings us up to 80 cents. <laughs> and Al has a fantastic line, just goes, oh, I'm out, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> that, Question, that w- Truman. That- that fake that wedding that didn't end with them getting married really drained Al's finances. I would imagine <laughs> all the problems I mean, from listen, the board there, game there are, got sucked up. There are questions about Al and Heidi uh, and what's going on here. I keep yeah. forgetting that she's married with a kid. I, I know, I, I know, it sucks, head, doesn't but, it? It sucks. Yeah. Um, but okay, so I'm going to repeat this. Um, I will offer you. Al says I'll offer you twice the asking price. She'll double that, and Wilson says that brings us up to eighty cents. So how much was the original asking price, Truman? Landon, why are you, you, why would you do this? I thought we were friends. Okay, I'll I'll offer you twice the asking price and I'll double it. So this that forfeit, and I'll double that. Is the original asking price twenty cents? That's the calculation that I got. Yes. So okay, okay. So we don't know that it's correct. We just know that that both of the (laughs) idiots got. We concur on. On something that may or may not be correct, we are um, wrong in the same way. Yes, which is, I don't know. I granted, I haven't done a garage sale in many years, but putting anything under a dollar is like, why go through the effort? Like, but, I don't even want to put a sticker on something if it's going to be less than a dollar. Yeah, well, but it, but in the '90s, stickers were a lot cheaper. I mean, you could you could do a thing it's, like that. It's more the effort than it is the the asking price of a sticker. Well, and again, people didn't have any better things to do back then. I get, there was no internet. People had nothing to rush back to. It's like, well, I mean, I guess I'll just may as well put a sticker on this thing. I got, you know, wh- where other otherwise I just have to what drive to the store to find pornography? I don't think so. <laughs> and now in 2021, you have to pay a lot of money to buy something with a sticker on it. So exactly. Oh, that's what uh, they Brad call sticker shock. Go on. Brad comes out, uh, he has the phone in his hand, he says, uh, hey dad, uh, grandma's on the phone, and uh, he hands it over to Tim, he says, hey Lillian, what is up, what's crack a lacking, lady? And then he immediately regrets his jocular tone when he gets some very bad news from her that he reacts mm. to, and mm. uh, um, then kind of informs uh, Wilson and Al and Heidi that uh, Jill's father had a heart attack and died. And yeah, I, I like the blocking of what was happening. Like this, the yeah. blocking of what is transpiring in this moment. Actually, I, th- I think this is worth just kind of extending a little bit. So Tim gets the phone, and like you, you don't hear from his side of the conversation necessarily what has happened. We glean, you know, probably what's happened. But as he's talking, like it really sets the tone for Tim. Uh, for the rest of this episode because he takes it seriously he asks her how are you doing do you need anything don't worry about things over here like he's already taking on that mantle um and then heidi al and wilson you know as tim's in the middle of this conversation all kind of pop their head up over the fence except for wilson only half pops his head up but um well so that they can kind of listen in and 
it shows this level of friendly concern. That I'm yeah. Like, where, the, where the fuck is this in the rest of the show? Yeah. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> and that's part of what I also just like about, about the fact that Al and Heidi, who are Tim's co-workers, are nonetheless mm-hmm. close enough friends with Tim's weird neighbor that they help him out with his garage sale. Like, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I like that. Well, that like, Al and Wilson have gone on road trips together. I don't know if you remember. Right, yes. I suppose I suppose that's true. Yes, I, I kind of... <laughs> the, the things do run together. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just... I, I, lo- I love already that they're already kind of just... They all live in the same world, and they're all like a family, and that they all yeah, have this yeah. immediate concern. It's it's very sweet. It's a sweet moment. It is. Yeah. And as soon as he hangs up the phone, as you said, he Tim tells them that Jill's dad died, and um, what I don't know. This is just really interesting. Like Tim is very serious. You know, he doesn't make any jokes in this moment, and he's like, uh, yeah. So I got to go take care of a few things. Clearly, uh, you guys can do tool time. Like there's no ego in terms of like, well, how am I going to do tool time while I'm gone? Can you guys run some episodes? I don't want to miss, you know, uh, I don't want to fuck up my award. Now, actually, they're not going to take the award retroactively. Bob Vila is not going to coast in and be like, Oh, your, your wife's dad died. Too bad. Tim rules are rules. I still don't understand how that award is given out. So if there was a third uh, television host that we don't know of yet. Like, if if Al Borland was next in line for the longest consecutive host, technically he might get the award mm-hmm. if Tim Tim goes off the air. And I did. I want to make a correction uh, when I said that uh, wouldn't in that episode uh, insult to injury. I said wouldn't Al also be getting this award? I completely forgot that he also was off the air in the episode that Brad took over. Oh, you're right. So he hasn't been on as long as Tim. Okay, okay. So so that that will always... So I guess that's why Tim doesn't at least feel threatened by Al taking over for him while he's gone. That will be, right. you know... Th- but th- he might... He'll... What I'm saying is there... He, I, I don't understand how that award works. Someone could theoretically come in and, and take it from him tomorrow if he's not going to be on the episode of Tool Time. Yeah, I no. Tim needs to watch his ass in case those property brothers uh, <laughs> record a couple episodes and, and scoop him. But... But I think what's important is that Tim is more concerned in this moment about Jill than about his status yeah. on the tool show. And yeah. so he goes inside, he, you know, he basically gives Al command of the tool time bridge. And Al, so then we're on the other side of the fence and Al and, and Heidi are talking and Al goes, this really puts things in perspective. And Heidi says, yeah, Al, you take the cheese whipper. And Al goes, no, you take it. And then they go back and forth. And then finally, Al turns to Wilson and says, Wilson, we can't accept this cheese whipper and just hands it back to him. <laughs> It was a really great moment. Really nice. Um, so, okay. Now, we're going to do something here that uh, is going to play into the end of this episode. Okay. Um, we go from the backyard into the inside where Tim is uh, on the phone making some arrangements for Jill's flight and like being a totally sweet husband. But we dissolve there. Mm-hmm. There are no... Outside of the gravestone transition at the beginning, there are no other transitions oh, in shit. this you're episode. right. Except, I didn't even accept dot dot dot. Stay tuned to the end of this episode. Oh. Um, <clears throat> wait. Uh, so we just before yeah, we start, we go inside. Uh, I'm just gonna embalming, formaldehyde, uh, 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 and um, program like a funeral program. What is happening right now? 
None of those are the word. Okay, just I was just, I just realized I haven't been competing in the word game hard enough the last few episodes. So I'm trying to like I keep forgetting that that's in the mix, and so I'm trying to just remember sooner in the episode. Okay, we go inside. I mean, it, it's there's more fanfare if you naturally get it, and I'm trying to pick things. Okay, I, you know I have to learn a little bit more. I thought after six seasons of doing this with you that I could land on a word that you might say, but yeah, land um, on it's in your name. That's why we're not making it official till season seven, mm. uh, so that I can learn a little bit. But yeah, it, it, there's more fanfare if it comes out naturally than oh, if you I just see. Stop and start saying some words. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm just I'm already trying to hack the system, but but fine, that's fine. <laughs> no so, one can blame me for that. No one can blame me for that. Yeah. Uh, so we cut to inside where Tim is on the phone and he is um, making flight arrangements for Jill, booking yeah. booking her a, a plane to San Antonio, and. Then uh, Jill comes in, um, back from a day of shopping and going to art mm-hmm. museums. She's, I don't often notice fashion on this show, but she's just very snappily dressed. Like, whatever she's yeah. wearing, like, it, it's like she bought new clothes and wore them home from the store. <laughs> yeah, I also think it's a little bit of, like, the 90s are cracking. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, you know, like, that early 90s facade that kind of lingered a little bit, especially in, like, middle age to older people's clothing, like, lingered a little too late in the 90s. But I think by this time, by 97, it's, like, it's becoming a little more streamlined, a little less flamboyant, more, you know, business casual. So yeah. I think that's just generally what we'll see going yeah. forward. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's good. It's it's I'm I'm happy that the 90s have cracked because when they when they cracked and split open, some better fashions briefly emerged before being smothered by the 2000s. Uh, God almighty, uh, you're giving me flashbacks to my own fashion faux pas. Um, Listen, my my girlfriend and I went from watching uh, the first two seasons of the 2000 to 2001 reality show The Mole straight to watching <laughs> a very in-depth and depressing documentary about 9-11. And so it's just a lot of 2000, 2001 fashions in our life just right now. So a lot of frosted tips and, and goggles. Uh, I, uh, yeah. Action accessory goggles. Oh. Yes, yes, a lot, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those contestants on the mole were making interesting fair, uh, hair choices. So, anyway, <laughs> um, okay, so she, she's glowing. She's had this amazing day, and again, I, I want to just slow jam this a little bit uh, because it's a short scene, uh, or maybe it's not even a short scene. I just didn't have much notes for this, but yeah, as as Jill's talking about this. Tim breaks the news to her, and I I even have the episode pause, you know, because I usually have it running in the background while we we do this. And like, there's a level of like genuine emotion going through Tim Allen's performance as he has to break this news to her. Yes. Uh, oh God, I can't watch this uh, as we do. I'm gonna start crying y- watching uh, <laughs> watching Jill break I, down here. I I I I commend you for even trying. T- you I'm can not going see... to. My my face is turned away from the screen. You you can see how much Tim hates to give her this news. You can see mm-hmm. him looking at how happy and relaxed Jill is and not wanting to ruin her relaxation or her 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 day with this information. Yeah. And it like it's it's a kind of heartbreaking moment. And you see his real affection for his wife in this moment and you can see how much it hurts him oh god to tell yeah. her this. And it's just it's just very powerful work from Tim Allen here. I, I'm and, yeah, but and I mean not uh, top tier work from Tim Allen, and you know it's just god tier work from Patricia Richardson of yes. what she's doing here. I mean, yes. like holy fuck, it is 
just it rips your soul apart to to watch her go through this yeah her reacting to the information and and kind of breaking down at it and i would also say with respect to ferber and garver this is a difficult kind of scene to write yeah because everybody like a lot of shows a lot of movies when there is a big thing like this when the audience learns oh that this you know, this person's loved one has died. In a lot of cases, they just cut to the next scene where they are on the way to the funeral, Mm. or it's like the person has found out the information off screen and is processing simply because it's a tough scene to write. It's a a hard (laughs) scene to watch someone getting this news, and it's like, you know, to figure out what does a person say in that moment? How does this specific person grieve this? So on every level from the writing to the acting to some third level that I can't think of. The directing, I guess it was well directed. <laughs> well, I, they most of the writers on the show are also producers. So uh, Bruce Ferber, Lloyd Garver, they're they're also producers. I think that yeah. they they know, and they're you know six seasons in, they know if they write this, the level of talent that they have on their hands to be able to you know trust the performance that they're going to get. And yeah. I think to their credit, I think the the secret to their writing of this episode is. I mean, particularly with this particular problem, is um, they kept it simple. There isn't too much going on with it. It's just like when is the, you could just see them asking like, when's the worst time to get you know the news? And it's gonna be a when you're having a good day, and b after you said something you're gonna regret, and just mm-hmm. let it play out from that, as opposed to having Tim mug and having a conflicting you know story with him. Like yeah. they just let the the issue be the issue and put it in the hands of the performers and it just it really sings for lack of a better adjective yeah yeah no it it does there really isn't a better adjective for it but um yeah so tim breaks this awful news and jill uh you know and he also tells her i've i've already booked you a flight i'm gonna come out with the boys in a few days you know i I can pack your bags for you all these things and i really uh, you know so sweet just like really the the exact right things you should be doing like without question and they bring that up you know explicitly at the end of the episode but it's it's yeah really amazing like tim at tim at his finest and Jill begins kind of realizing the last thing I said to my father was a lie. Like I told him that I was sick and I wasn't, I, you know, he could have mm-hmm. come here. And Tim says to her, you needed time for yourself. That's completely fine. And also it's just like, yeah, t- th- like it's, it's one thing for Tim to be like booking her a flight and h- holding her, but then also for Tim yeah. to have that understanding of like, yeah, self-care is important. You needed to look out for yourself. That's totally acceptable. It's yeah, just like, this more, isn't your fault. You know, yeah. like the, the subtext of like, because you wanted to take time for yourself is doesn't mean it's your fault. Yeah. There, you know, this could have happened at any time, you know, um, and the, yeah, kind of allowing herself or allowing her to have the, the realization that like, you know, don't don't let that <laughs> taint this otherwise awful moment. Like, don't make yeah. it worse for yourself. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which is, and on some level, a futile thing to say because a person's going to feel ultimate whatever they feel. But that right. Tim is just putting that out there for her and telling her that and reinforce. You know, it's, I, you know, I just, I don't know. I love it when Tim does things that I can feel really proud. Like I am so, yeah. I seldom do I see Tim behaving in a way on this show that I can look at and be like, that's what I aspire to be as a man and as a partner yeah. and whatever. And seeing Tim do that, it's like, wow, what the fuck? Weird feeling. 
Um, it's, it's L level of manhood. Exactly that. Exactly that. And again, this is coming off of last week. It's it's a it's a roller coaster of Tim. Um, oh my God! Um, so we dissolve to the kitchen uh, mm-hmm. a little bit later. The boys are dressed and getting ready. Um, they're going to Texas. Why are they getting dressed now? That was a question. That's <laughs> a question. Yeah, yeah. They're also they're ironing their clothes or like Brad is ironing his shirt <laughs> and Tim asks him in his suitcase. Yeah, it, it, which doesn't make any sense. I I also kind of but I also sort of love it's like well Jill has clearly already departed so this is Tim trying to pack formal clothes. He's yeah. like uh, uh uh you guess you got to iron them and then you put them in like I. <laughs> I don't know. I that is probably something Tim told them to do because he doesn't <laughs> yeah. realize it, and the boys don't realize it. Nah, it's cute. Um, <laughs> but so Brad is, uh, you know, how's your shirt coming along? And Brad holds up the shirt, which has this huge iron burn on it. And um, yep. so anyway, they're they're talking, you know, they're kind of talking about the funeral. It turns out it's going to be an open casket funeral, and Brad is freaked out by that. And um, which I. Again, I mean, this isn't, they don't go too deep into this, but just the, like, I don't want to use the word bravery, but, like, the the kind of gall to talk about that, because that is a thing, especially at these, the boys' age, where it's yeah. like, they're going to start going to their first funeral, so they're going to have to, you know, decide if they want to engage with the open casket ritual, yeah, that's not something you talk about very often. I'm just surprised it came up on the show. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember it, that being a big thing for me as well. Exactly. And uh, yeah, the, nothing gets talked about a lot, and especially on a sitcom, it's kind of unusual to see it here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But so Tim explains about you know some people like to be able to do that, and he exp- he tells you know Brad is kind of open about it. I'm freaked out by that. I don't want to look. And Tim says, Well, nobody's going to make you look. You don't have to. You don't have to do it. And then yeah. Brad and Brad and Randy are talking about it, and Randy is saying how weird it would have been. Oh God, if he if he'd come, he would have died in the house. He would have died in your room, in your bed, and then Mom would have had to flip the mattress. And yeah, Randy just keeps making jokes all through this scene. And yeah, um, at a certain point, Mark comes down. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they make a joke. Uh, finally, uh, acknowledging how big these boys have grown. Like yeah. Mark is wearing a size suit from what he would be wearing in the opening theme credit. Exactly. Uh, it's so tiny. And, uh, you know, his ankles are showing and, and Randy makes a joke at his expense and Mark gets, you know, uppity about it. Uh, I don't like that I use that word, but, you know, yeah. he's like, why why are you making jokes, man? Stop. You know, Grandpa just died. Yeah. And gets in his face a little bit. And Tim's like, OK, OK, go upstairs. And then, like, this is another thing that I think is true to life that I'm just yeah. surprised that they acknowledged on the show and dealt with for a bit, which is like. There are people that will, you know, use humor as their self in these situations. Yeah, because because you know the boys go upstairs and or like Brad and Randy, uh, no Mark and Brad, uh, Mark and Brad. So go many dollars. It's raining dollars. Today. Oh my god, there's there's your chalupa fund. Uh, but so they go upstairs <laughs> and Tim is just there with with Randy and Randy makes like one more joke about like he always you know oh I'm getting ready for the funeral I just gotta set the iron to extra stiff and. Tim just goes, Randy, and Randy says, uh, Randy says, I, I don't know why I'm making all these stupid jokes. Like, it isn't even, Tim doesn't even have to, like, scold him. Randy just, like, immediately right. opens up, like, I don't know why I'm doing this. And Tim goes, sometimes making jokes is the way to deal with the loss of somebody. That's how you grieve. That's what I did at my dad's funeral. And he then, he just, he and Randy kind of talk about it, and Tim just says, you know, if, if you want to do this, fine, 
don't don't make these jokes around your grandma or around your mom or Mark or anybody sensitive. Just make them to me. And I well, I don't know what well, I he, love... he makes a joke out of that, which I yeah. it was one of the few moments where I was kind of like, oh, OK, I can get behind that. That yeah. version of Tim's stupid, uh, you know, because he it's self-effacing and acknowledges his own faults where he's like, just don't make it in front of Jill. You know, don't yeah. make it in front of your mom. Don't make it in front of your grandma. Don't make it in front of Mark. No one who's sensitive. Make yeah. it in front of me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, gets, and it gets a laugh. And it's like what, what I what this what I love about this and and just Tim in this episode more broadly. But like and this I've spoken before about how I think Tim is at his best when he's kind of good-natured enthusiastic stupid like <laughs> I, you know that when he's when he's basically just like the family dog he he wants I, he, to help out he the, gets in the way tim taylor should have gone through the transition that ted danson did on cheers yes where about halfway through they're just like well he's funnier and less hard to swallow with his you know misogyny if he's an idiot yes <laughs> yes and we play that up yeah. So, like, if Tim was, you know, Tim being, this is just pointed to what I really want, or this performance, and this is what I think would have made. I, I wish that we saw this in every episode of the show, or we saw, or we, this was just built into Tim's character. If Tim was just good-natured and doofy and accident-prone, but then that he's kind of a grief savant because of his experience with his father, so that whenever there is a situation where there's been a loss or a death or grieving, Tim has all of these almost Jason Bourne caretaking (laughs) instincts that he doesn't even know that he has, like, just because he... Because he had to care for his whole family after his father died, and he learned this at a very young age. He like he doesn't know the number for nine one one, and he can't do tools right, even though he has a tool show. But he knows exactly how to care for someone in a time of emotional crisis. He knows exactly what to say when someone is going through a devastating loss. I, I just think that would be fascinating. That this is the thing Tim is best at is caring for people when they are traumatized and don't know what to yeah. do because that is so endearing to me. The way he interacts with. <laughs> his wife and his children in this episode uh, yeah and you know I, I for myself just try to be better about not trying to hold things and to what my expectations and hopes for them are to be because so often we find the opposite of that that he is the cause of their trauma so you know it is what it is but I, it's, you know, it's a- it, it makes it harder when we see that they show the opposite you know they they show us what the ideal could be uh, it, it would be completely different if they completely abstained from that, but you know we do get these good, good episodes every once in a while. Yeah, I mean the the, the vision that I'm seeing in my head is a fan fiction version of the show where every episode <laughs> has been completely rewritten by us. Um, l- <laughs> let's not. It's a whole different show called uh, with the character Jim the Jewel Man Taylor. He vapes a lot, but yeah, yeah well, um, <laughs> no, no, well, no, it's it's yeah, Jim the Jewel Man uh, Taylor. It's a, it's about a guy who uh, works. The jailer. Oh well, okay. He put he puts jewels. He's a warden <laughs> into a jail cell. Yeah, I mean, really, he's a guy who takes jewels and goes into a mountain, into a mine, and puts them back into the mountain and fills it back up with rocks. It's kind of a reverse uncut gems, really, because what is what is a mountain if not a jewel jail? Yeah. <laughs> Just. Look, Leave I mean, that one th- hang. let's play the negative space on that joke. Here, this is the thing about grunt work. Sometimes we make you laugh, other times we make you think. You know, it's a full service podcast. So we cut to Texas. We dissolve. Yes, we, we dissolve. dissolve to Texas. No we transition. Dissolve like an Alka Seltzer to Texas. 
No, because we've seen the Elka-Seltzer transition on the show before. We don't get that. This is just a typical scene-to-scene dissolve. Okay, we we cross-dissolve to Texas, (laughs) where uh, Jill uh, is at the funeral home with a couple of her sisters, and they are meeting... Linda and Tracy. The mortician. we've met before. Otherwise, we would go into a character actor corner. I... Uh, and I was looking at we them like I know characters. I know one of these is Amy Ryan and I should remember her but I don't and so oh Truman oh Truman do we have a scandal for you uh, let's keep going and figure this out okay so well, they're the two that she's she's meeting at the the funeral parlor we last saw on Jill and her sisters I think that was the end of season five mm-hmm. um uh, one of the final episodes of that so we've seen these actors before playing uh, Linda and Tracy. And let's just keep going. Yeah. Just as a reminder, uh, uh, Tracy is the one that got the divorce, and uh, Linda is the one who was big into health food and crystals and the weird uh, pet psychic. Mm -hmm. Yes, I remember. Who could forget? (laughs) (laughs) Who could forget? Except probably me. Uh, so they're they're there. They're meeting the mortician. The her sisters uh-huh. are immediately just kind of sympathetic. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you traveled and you've got that awful cold. Oh no, you must be feeling terrible. Like one of her one of her sisters is giving her the different herbal remedies for her ear infection and everything else. Yeah. And uh, then Jill's mom arrives, and also well, com- they they talk to the the funeral parlor director, mm-hmm. uh, Mister Stillman who is very proud of his uh, funeral parlor because it was uh, uh, featured on the cover of the June issue of Mortuaries Illustrated. <laughs> and one of, <laughs> one, of Jill's, one of Jill's sisters asks, oh, is that the one with the swimsuit edition? <laughs> and um, he goes on to say, oh, the colonel would be so proud of what we have in store. Uh, and one of them chime in, oh, do you know dad? And he goes, well, I feel like we know all of our guests. And uh, Linda or Tracy pipes in and says, "What is this, the Bates Motel?" Now, listen, Tracy, I know you're in pain, okay, but the Bates Motel is not a mortuary for one thing, mm-hmm. and also, like, only two people died in the actual motel. Most of the murders happened in the Bates house, which is situated behind the hotel. I mean, come yeah, on. yeah, grief clouds your mind, but not that thickly. Come yeah. on. Grief clouds your mind, doesn't cloud your Hitchcock knowledge. If you're just forgetting basic <laughs> psycho stuff, then maybe you're the real psycho. Um, also, also, I just feel like, don't, you know, don't make fun of a mortician for being weird. Morticians are weird. That's You can't be a mortician if you're normal. If you're the person who willingly just is going to fuck with dead bodies for their whole life, yeah, you're a little weird. Let's all just accept that. You're doing a service for mankind, and just I mean, everybody get on with it. He is a Texas mortician. And you know that because he's wearing a bolo tie. <laughs> you know, I I myself, after a hard day at work, I like to go down to the bar and order a Texas mortician. That sets me right up for the night. Um. Yeah. Okay. So so um, Lillian comes in. Uh, their mom comes in and says she just wanted to check in on things. Uh, apparently, Robin and Carrie are back at the house doing the food preparations, and so she just wanted to check in with the funeral. Uh, mm-hmm. proceedings. Yeah. And so Jill sends the, uh, sends, or well, Jill's mom sends the other two sisters off to talk some more with the mortician. And then Jill and her mom talk alone. And Jill's mom is just telling her, Oh, you know, your father was really looking forward to that trip to see you. And well, now the irony it, is that he made the trip that you made the trip out to see him. And, 
I don't know if you caught. She leaned over to Jill at one point and whispered, uh, "Hey, we forgot to do a character actor corner." Oh shit! I didn't notice that at all. Oh man! <laughs> Again, the subtlety and the layers in this episode are are, are immaculate. I, I know, I know. Um, but that's part so of the grieving before... process is doing a character actor corner. So anyway, let's grieve. <laughs> Uh, character actor corner for Mr. Stillman, the funeral director. Uh, he is played by an actor by the name of Ted Hayden. Um, he goes back to 1971. His first credit uh, of 30 is in um, the really interesting, disorienting film Sweet Sweet Max Badass Song, uh, Melvin Van Peebles. Um, what else has he been in? Yeah, what uh, has he been in? 90210, Ghost Dad. No, Ghost um, Dad, woo! No, no. Wait, wait, no, actually, no. No, nope. I was I was going woo for a bad movie, and then I remembered the star of that movie, and then I said There woo. you go. <laughs> there it is. Uh, he was in uh, The Wonder Years. He was in hmm. uh, an episode of Coach. Um, okay. He starred on three episodes of Beverly Hills 90210, playing Dr. Peatley. I'll repeat that. Dr. Peatley. Peatley. Uh, Cagney and Lace, he... Oh, God. This credit, Sherman. He was on Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Ooh. A lot of doctor roles. a character called Top Hat Number 3. Tom, really? <laughs> Top Hat Number 3? The I, question is, mm-hmm. was Ted Hayden on ER? Well, he was on Old West ER, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. So, in a sense, he was. Uh, was he on NYPD Blue? He was not. Cheers? He was not. Frazier? He was not. No, he was not on ER. He was not. Aha! Okay, well, Aha! Take, take that, mortician. You didn't go to the hospital. You went straight to the mortuary. Um, <laughs> You... Killed that character actor metagame. Damn right I did. And its family is grieving now. Uh, so we go back to the house uh, where uh, Jill is with all of her sisters now. They are trying to start prepping food for the kind of wake or memorial party. Jill wants mm-hmm. to help out, but all of her sisters are like, oh, no, Jill. Oh, you're still sick. You're contagious. We don't want you messing with the food. You just need to lie down and rest. You look terrible. You are so clearly sick. It's obvious that you're ill right now. You look disgusting. You looking like that, you can't not be not sick. Because she does try to fess up there and say, listen, I'm not sick. And, and Carrie's like, really? You're going to make me believe that when you look like that? Yeah, just just a, as if Jill isn't going through enough between the grieving and the guilt, she's also just getting put down after put down for her appearance when she, as usual, is radiantly beautiful. Um, yes. But so they they you know put her you know put her down and tell her to sit and just sit on the couch and rest, and they, then they lay her down. They don't they, they lay don't her put down. her out to pasture. Yeah, okay. They lay they lay her down. Yeah, you're right. They don't they don't you know take her out back of mice and men style. Uh, so Jill's mom comes down and mm-hmm. just says that she, oh, I just can't believe that your father isn't still sitting there watching that TV, yelling at the liberal Yankee newscasters. And it's the, the first of two political callouts in this episode that made me think, ooh, Jill's dad would be a certain type of guy that, that a certain type of guy who, who I sometimes think only sprang into being in the last few years, but in fact is a type of guy who has always existed and will always exist. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Um, yes. So, but she she puts uh she puts Jill down. Yeah. 
<laughs> on the couch. Take, yeah, but t- she tells like, her to think about the rabbits. Blanket. Yeah. She un- unfurls a blanket and she's going to like try to take care of her. She's like, and I get the sense of like, oh, you know, it gives me something to do. They don't really pull that out, but you know, there's something in the subtext of how she's uh, saying this. And I also want to say we skipped over um, a, a very scandalous moment uh, mm. at the beginning of the scene when yeah. we start with all the sisters. Because we do finally get all five sisters for the first time on the show. All five of them are in the same place. When we saw Jill and her sisters in season five, Robin was out of town. She right. wasn't there. It was just of four of them. Okay. So we've only seen Robin once, and she was solo with her her soon to be husband, fiance, boo, newlywed. I can't remember exactly what it was. Boolywed. Uh, yeah, yeah. So long ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Boolywed. Uh, that's a that that's a Halloween episode. A Tim Burton movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a claymation Tim Burton movie, <laughs> or it's like a Disney it's, it's, live action movie from the 60s starring Don Knotts, and it's two and a half hours long. <laughs> that's that, that's, the, that's the one. I was going to say it was a working title for The Corpse Bride, but uh, the yeah. Don Knotts one is, is the right one. Um, okay. So, But this is the first time we've seen all five sisters in the same place. We haven't seen Robin since, I think, season two, Oof. who was played... By Amy Ryan of the Wire fame, now not appearing in this episode. Truman, this is <gasps> the first time in the series that we've had a actor recast that they switch route on us. They uh, did. Amy Ryan is out. Lauren Lachlan is in. Oh, okay, Lauren Lachlan. I don't know her Lauren. deal. Lachlan, she has appeared on 15 different credits. Uh, she, I know her from two things specifically. Um, one is a, a Stuart Gordon movie. Uh, Castle Freak? <laughs> I wish. If I, I wish uh, too. It's one of his lesser known ones, but shouldn't be, because uh, it's not horror. It's an action film, uh, a weird sci-fi action film starring Christopher Lambert called hmm. Fortress. <laughs> okay. Uh, and he, she plays his wife in that. Um, and she was also the love interest in Taking Care of Business, the Jim Belushi movie where he suddenly comes into a bunch of money. Oh, it's it's based uh, on that like BTO a, song, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like a, a precursor to King Ralph, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where a, a schlub suddenly is riding around in Bentleys and you know, uh, talking to Jeeves all the time. I, I got you. Where there's there's some snobs and there's some slobs, or at least one particular slob. It's a real it's a real <laughs> Mr. Deeds. Why wasn't Fraser called Snobs and Slobs? <laughs> uh, probably because freaks and geeks uh, like had a preemptive hold okay. on any kind of rhyming, uh, contrasting uh, <laughs> social group title. Uh, uh, of fifteen credits, was she on ER? Uh, was she on NYPD Blue? She was not. Uh, in the interest of time, I'm just going to say no, not on ER. She was on an episode of Frasier. I'm surprised you didn't ask that. Okay. Uh, in 1999, Father of the Bride is okay. the episode title. Season 7, episode 2, Daphne complains about her mother's pushiness in planning her wedding. Ooh, right. Okay. Uh, yes. So more family family uh, issue. Wait, is she one of mm-hmm. Daphne's mm-hmm. sisters? Uh, She plays Sabrina. Yeah, maybe. No? Okay. I can't quite remember that episode. I, I lost a little focus in the, you know, as soon as Daphne and Niles get together, it, you know, the show weakens a bit. Um, Interesting. She was not on ER. You are correct, sir. Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, then, I feel good You're about two that. Two for 
I'm two for two so far. Too bad that's not how we get chalupas now. It, it's too bad we've changed <laughs> to a, another game that I'm somehow even worse at. Um, uh, you're right. Okay, so flower back arrangements. The, episode, uh, the the sisters are gone. Mother's taking care of Jill. The boys come in. Yes. Uh, and Tim right behind them. Yes, and and Jill is so happy to see them all, and and so glad that they're there. And she she asks them. She asks Brad, "Oh, did you guys all iron your shirts for the funeral?" And Brad goes. Come on, Mom, you've been through enough. Let's not talk about the shirts, which is the funniest line in the episode. And I really have to call out uh, how good Zachary Ty Bryan is. He's just, he's he's got a bunch of really good line reads in the past half season or so. Yeah, he, the, guy, the guy's dynamite. I just love it. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> so then the boys, uh, Tim tells the boys to go off and see their aunts and Mark is reluctant because what about pinching? And Tim yeah. explains that no, the, the, you know, even at a funeral, the pinches are even harder. Like, look, look here, this scar on my, <laughs> the, on my, the more che- tragic the event, the harder the pinch. <laughs> yeah. Like this, this, this scar on my cheek here that was after at my dad's funeral. One of my, one of my aunts took some of the flesh off. And so they, <laughs> we, so they go off and then we hear just from off screen. Oh. And the boys all going ow 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 ow, which is which is a good bit of levity. And um, yeah, and then Tim and Jill yeah, get a moment so together. She, yeah, Tim and Jill start to talk, and um, she is lamenting to Tim. She's like, I, I you know I need to tell her the truth, and you know, but I can't do it. And Tim's like, Well, what's 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 the big deal? Okay, let's play this out. What would happen if you did tell her? I mean, it's not like it's going to cast a, a pall over the whole funeral. <laughs> And Jill starts laughing and hugs him and says, "I'm so glad you're here." And it was a you know, very sweet moment. It is. It is a sweet. It is a sweet moment. Um, and from there we cut to the wake. So we, uh, we, we dissolve. dissolve. The wake. I'm sorry. I keep saying cut. I say dissolve. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's so. There. The wake is in the Patterson home. Like, why? Why did we go to the funeral parlor? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Why did we pay for a funeral parlor set? And why did we hire a character actor to play the funeral director if they're just going to spend? The whole time at the house. It's in, interesting production <laughs> questions. Ferber, Garver, I'm I'm calling you to court not as writers but as producers. This is a questionable there use of go. funds. There you go. Um, they, uh, the boys and Tim are talking to a, uh, what is he, a lieutenant, I think, a colonel. No, he's also a colonel. He's colonel a military. I, I just wrote down a military man. A uh, military man. I and, have the name. His name is Colonel Adams. Um they're asking, "Oh, did you serve in Korea with uh, with uh, with the colonel?" And Colonel Adams goes, uh, "I would have been two. And Tim goes, "Oh, so I guess you would have been in the infantry." <laughs> and Randy cracks great, up. Great joke. Yeah, it's a great joke. And Tim and Randy both high five over this, and yeah. it's just a fun moment between. It's kind of a resolution to the scene they had earlier talking about yeah. Randy processing this by joking. It's just like, look, let's just have a laugh together. We're going to get through this. It's sweet. Um, and uh, Ken Duncan is playing uh, Colonel Adams here. Uh, this is going to be a short character actor corner. He has eight credits. Um, and he's a short I'm actor. Give you, I'm not going to give you any, any, any of them. Just ask uh, you whether or not he was on ER. One of NYP- those credits is a R E R. NYPD is Blue. Is R E R? Is what I said. And and, and is they are NYPD Blue? <laughs> no. Uh, then no, no E R. You are correct, sir. Woo! Ken Duncan was not on ER. Three for three. Go back to the scene already in progress. The wake. Jill is talking to her sisters across the room. Yes. All five of them. They're all. They're all sad. 
Yeah. They're they're not happy. Yeah, that's that's what being sad is. It's it's not being happy. Uh <laughs> and they they uh so you know, they're all just kind of talking and reminiscing about stories about their dad and the pastor is kind of going around and 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 uh soliciting stories from people. Tim is telling a mm-hmm. whole story about how the colonel was kept trying to bribe him not to marry Jill. And finally, yeah. the you know, they, they're talking about how, how no-nonsense the colonel... Well, the pastor is talking about how, oh, he was a no-nonsense man, and honesty was so important to him. Honesty meant everything. Jill, would you like to say a few words? Which, <laughs> at this point... And Jill, Jill does say a few words. She says, uh, excuse me, minister... Could you tell me whether or not in the future someone's going to do a character actor corner on you? Oh man! <laughs> and 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 he and he says uh, he says yes. I regret to inform you, they will. <laughs> we go to our last character actor corner of the episode. Michael Winters is playing the minister, credited as the minister. Mm-hmm. Thirty nine credits, going all the way back to nineteen eighty seven. Um, his first big one though was L.A. Law. He did a two-episode stint on that. Mm-hmm. Um, moved on to. I'm just going to give you your clues in the middle of this instead of asking them. He was on an episode of Cheers okay. called The Last Picture Show, which is in their final season. Oh, that's where they uh, all go to the drive-in to watch all those Godzilla movies. Uh, Gojira, you're right. Uh, yes, um, and and where there's also a sick burn on uh, on uh, Shelley Long for leaving the series halfway through. Anyway, this has been Truman's <laughs> Cheers Corner. Go on. Uh, two episodes of Grace Under Fire. Um, let me see. Ailey McBeal. Uh, he was on Friends playing the Doctor. And yes, he was also on Frasier yeah. in Row to Perdition in 2003, uh, season 10. Oh. Uh, Frasier and Niles acquire an inside source of top quality caviar. Oh, who could forget? Who could forget that episode? <laughs> and Eddie eats a bunch of it. Um, uh, And then he has one credit in NYPD Blue. Um, One episode, but playing two different characters. Hmm. One of them, uh, just a normal dude. And the other one is Dr. Kenneth Hale. Interesting, interesting. Based on that, based on the L.A. Law NYPD Blue bifecta, I'd say yeah, he, he was hits, on ER. Yeah, no, he hits the trifecta. He he's oh, you said the L.A. Law one, okay? Yeah, but he was on Cheers, Frasier, and NYPD Blue, so he hits yeah. our trifecta. He, he hits our trifecta, and then L.A. Law NYPD Blue. I, I feel like that trifecta also has to be completed with ER. It just seems likely. Uh, good thing there are no chalupas on the table fuck he was not on er Uh, i'm sorry too i mean no nothing was at stake i'm I'm mainly sorry for myself Uh, um lower the flag another half mass so it's a quarter mass just for you we got it we got to dig a pit around this flagpole because i'm i we're gonna run into a problem here in terms of lowering um so (laughs) we can't let we can't let it Touch the ground. No, well, that's why we got to dig the hole. Um, oh, right. And it's, okay, it's got to be a wide hole. Uh, so, <laughs> mm, careful. Uh, so, anyway, uh, he asks Jill if she wants to say a few words, and Jill kind of stammers a little bit, and then ultimately says, uh, you know, no, thank you, Mom, can I talk to you? Like, J- Jill is just feeling the total pressure of guilt here, not unlike yeah. a few episodes ago how Brad was feeling the total pressure to confess to having wrecked the car. Um, yeah, right. It's the same kind and of thing. I, where I, every- I like, we didn't call this out, but I like that it's the pressure she's putting on herself. Like, the, yeah, no one knows the truth necessarily and is like 
making her feel bad for it. It's like it's all on her own shoulders, and to me yeah. that makes it a little more interesting. I, I agree. No, I, I think so too. It's this is very much internal pressure, and we're watching Jill go through this process herself. Yeah. So she yeah she takes her mom into the other room and she starts to confess and says, "Ma, I gotta tell you something." Uh, you know, I, I'll let you take this because this feels like it's in your ballpark. This is completely <laughs> in my ballpark. Well, first, the room they've gone into is her dad's old office, so they're surrounded by all of his things. Mom, I lied to Dad. And she says, oh, Jill, relax. He found out a long time ago that you vote Democrat. And, uh, oh, man. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you right now, I heard from 2,000 miles away what your reaction was to that. I, just, I had to pause the episode and just glow with the thought of, of Jill walking into a voting booth and voting for Bill Clinton. Oh, man, it's just an interest. Just, mm, wow. Yeah, it just, <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's a surprise. It was new in my heart. But just having it confirmed... <laughs> right. <sighs> this is why I want to follow Jill on Instagram. I want to know what her thoughts about the Lewinsky scandal were. I want to follow her on 90s Instagram. I'd like to think Jill would be like, well, Monica Lewinsky was young. Really, I lose faith in Bill Clinton for... Anyway, let's not rehash that right now. Uh, no, no. Uh, American FX Crime Story Impeachment. Yes, thank you. Yeah, Beanie Feldstein, take it home. Edie Falco. And for some uh, reason, Clive Owen. Um, so... <laughs> And she doesn't look anything like Bill Clinton. It doesn't sound like him either. It's so Why weird. Why would you pick a guy from a different country to do the most particular and specific type of American accent there ever has been? <sighs> it's very concerning to me. Uh, I'm still going to watch and love the show. So, uh, Jill explains about the real lie, which was making up that she was sick, and explains, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it wasn't a good time for you guys to visit, and I didn't have the guts to say no to dad. And her mother hears all this and says, well, your father wasn't an easy man to say no to. And Jill Which echoes what they've said in the past on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to a degree, what we've seen about him. And mm-hmm. Jill laments that the last memory she has of her father is lying to him. And uh, and Jill's mom says, well, what would have happened if you told him the truth? And Jill says, oh, we probably would have understood. And Jill's mom says, I don't think we're talking about the same colonel. <laughs> Um, great line. Yeah, no, I, 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 really... I like that, you know, th- this is the sort of thing, and, and, you know, it's always a tricky situation. I never actually say anything, you know, like this in, in real life, but, I, you know, there is a little bit of a rumbling inside my head, maybe not in the moment, but, you know, in, in non-tragic moments where I'm like, yeah, I, I do think we, we honor the dead a little, we, we forget too much, you know, we, we make them out to be superheroes, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. saints, oh, yeah. you know, after the fact. And I, I think there's something a little healthier about keeping the full person in mind, you know, I, for, I, yeah, I don't want to say for better or worse, but I'm like, it, it keeps the dimension of that person alive. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, better to remember someone as they were rather than create this kind of caricature that isn't representative that that person probably yeah, wouldn't uh, yeah. want. That that's my my philosophy on it. I understand why people you know want and need to you know go in the other direction with it. It's just something that's always like kind of kicking around in my head. Yeah, yeah. I I know. I I agree. It's it's. I like that the show does this, and I like that because the conversation that they have is one that kind of makes me think. Wow, Jill's dad. Just if he if he lived, he would like this is a guy who they would probably need to have some kind of family intervention with at some point because it's like. <laughs> You know, Jill's mom basically says, your father would have, you know, insisted on coming. You know, if you told him that you were too tired or that you needed some time for yourself, you know, he would have basically laughed that off and and said, we're going to be there at 0800 and we're going to bivouac in, in Brad's bedroom. And because he's just this stubborn old man who had to have things his way. And 
mm-hmm. and they recounts a bunch of stories about how you know, when he had his knee surgery, he yelled at the surgeon because the scalpel wasn't shiny enough, and he told the doctor to drop and give him <laughs> 20, and all these things about how, like, yeah, part of that dad was a certain way, and we all had to kind of find our own ways of dealing with him in order for us to establish boundaries and have our own lives, which is, but I think, a very it, new... yeah. But what I think balances this scene out and this monologue that she's giving is like she ends all of that by, you know, saying, no, this is how he really was. And it was difficult. And then she kind of stops for a moment and she goes, and God damn, I miss him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just like there's this heart wrenching moment of like, despite his faults or because of his faults, you know, that's the man she married and lived with. And like she is going to miss him. And yeah. like there, that balance there is is I don't know really sophisticated writing for <laughs> a twenty two minute sitcom. I I completely agree. I completely agree. And they so they kind of have a, a moment together. They have a little cry, and and her mom tells her, "You've always been a wonderful daughter, and the last thing your father would want is for you to torture yourself over a silly little fib." And they then. They kind of look at an old family photo of them from one of the military bases they lived at, and Jill's holding some old stuffed donkey in the photo, which is still in her dad's office, and Jill's mom explains that he always kept that as a memento of Jill, because she lived so far away, and he then started putting it on... Jill's, yeah. Yeah. She she was holding it in the photo as well, and then she finds it in his office, and... yeah. And and he kept it on top of the TV, and then every time it was on top of the TV, uh, Army would always win the Army Navy game every year. And yeah, and I, I'm uh, not gonna lie that that whole moment, that whole uh, revelation, that was like moment three in this episode where I just couldn't keep it together anymore. Man, what's happening to us, man? The show's made us know. soft. Uh, um, I like being soft. I I like being soft too. It's just we were hardened to this show, and then it softened <laughs> us up real quick. <laughs> like I I cry. You know, the last the last season of Cheers gave me plenty to cry about, but yeah. Home Improvement didn't loosen me up to that point until recently. <laughs> um, so, get ready for the end of the show because I I don't know that I'm going to get through a grunt work episode at the end of season eight. eight so yeah, we're, we'll we'll. <laughs> We'll see what happens there. F- folks, if you think this show is weird and overly personal and emotional now, you just wait. We're only going to get weirder the closer we get. We're going to be like those of you who <laughs> those of you who have who've moved out of your parents' home and, and gone off to college. We're going to be like your parents in the last week before you moved out. Just, just <laughs> looking at you with tears brimming in their eyes. I just want to tell you how much I've loved having you listen to our podcast. Oh, God. Uh, oh, God. Uh, anyway. Do it. Anyway. Um. So, so, the Sopranos. This we just we'll, we'll we won't even finish an episode. <laughs> we'll just go out in the middle of the sentence. Ba da up. <laughs> Executive producer David Chase. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, the grunt count is point five. Um, so you know they the she asks you know she kind of mentions to her mom that she could move to Michigan if she wants to be closer. Her mom basically says, "Yeah, I'm not ready to to do that yet. Let's go back out to the living room." And they go back out to the living room where Tim is telling some dumb story. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't really paying he attention. He said, well, I, once I knew, wait, once you've been uh, uh, strip searched by the colonel, then you know you're part of the family or something like that. Tim and the colonel had a very intimate relationship, it seems. So, <laughs> uh, and then later, you know. We fade out. Yes. And then and we fade back in. No, no transitions. No transitions. Just, we're just, it's just transit, not transitions. Uh, we've just taken the bus, not a flashy car. Uh, that joke was sick. <laughs> Thank you. Is your name 
Gloria. <laughs> so they're downstairs, and uh, Tim and uh, Jill. Yes, downstairs of the the Patterson home. Yes, and uh, Jill's working on her eulogy, and Tim mm-hmm. comes in, and they're just kind of talking about things. And Jill mentions that she now that she's told the truth and come clean, she feels sadder. And Tim goes, "That's understandable. You're actually allowing yourself to grieve now." It's just oh, where are where who the where what dimension did you come from, Tim? Tim Tim with the incredibly nuanced understanding of the grieving <laughs> process. I just, I love it. I really wish the show leaned into this more. Uh, yeah. Um, and then to, to uh, Jill just thanks Tim for taking such good care of her, and um, you know, and Tim and Tim says, "Well, just what makes." Well, Jill says, what makes it so wonderful is knowing that I can count on you when I, knowing I can count on you when I need you the most. Mm-hmm. And Tim says, well, I'm just sorry I had to be reminded of it by such a bad occasion. And Jill, like, looks at him in shock and just says, listen to you. You're saying all the right things. <laughs> and Tim goes, enjoy it while you can. I don't know where it's coming from, but I'm sure it's not going to last. <laughs> last line. Which- is is like that's the sort of thing that you know normally we've been through the ringer with Tim and like we're gonna end on that to like let's say I'll acquiesce to Tim but he he's delivering the same sort of line the same sort of joke having demonstrated the opposite behavior and we you know I, I aren't supposed to take it to heart you know like I can I can hear him say that and go oh okay you you're you have a level of self awareness that I have hope that you will change. <laughs> I, I, you know, and... <laughs> that what you're saying is not true. <laughs> yeah, and I, I also I, I also like the certain Flowers for Algernon vibe of it, where Tim is like, I, I, I don't know, this probably isn't, you know, I'm probably going to lose this, so let's make the most of it while we've got it. Like, that he, that Tim can't even control it. It's like, I don't know, people are grieving, so suddenly I'm good at this shit. I'm going to go back to being an idiot once everyone's happy again. Um, Then... That's the end of the episode, uh, as you said. Yes, and now we have to spend an hour and a half talking about the the bloops. Oh, man. (laughs) The stingers. Okay, we didn't get any transitions in this episode because (laughs) they all... They all come out in the credit sequence. I think this is a greatest hits of all of the transitions we've seen from the season. All of the grunt um, creep bits that we've seen from the season. Even more than that. So we get paintbrushes going across the screen. We well, see uh, the Home the, Improvement logo. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's just like it's like the Home Improvement logo is a backdrop, and then the grunt creep performing in front of it and transitions going across that backdrop. So it's like three different different things. Yes. Three different things. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna go through each of the the transitions real quick, and yeah. I'm not gonna hold you to the f- fire and make you try to guess what episode they came from because I don't have answers. But good. Um, here's what we got. Uh, the whole sequence starts with sawdust uh, in a spiral and then being blown off the screen. The home uh, the grunt creep comes down uh, holding on to a rope um, with a checkered flag in his hand and is. Uh, Going frame by frame, I'm noticing things that I didn't notice before because he's always on the screen for such a short amount of time. But, like, you know how there's a little roof that goes over the home part of his head? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the, it opens up like they're kind of Groucho Marx eyebrows. Oh, shit. Yeah. I didn't realize which, that. Um, I didn't either, which makes me wonder more about what part of the home is his face. Yeah, um, anyway, and what part is his brain? <laughs> 
I don't I don't know. We get uh, paintbrushes going across the screen. Then we get the grunt creep coming in with his little bowler hat doing a, a soft shoe that's pulled off by an yep. Apollo stick. Yeah, um, love that. We get some nuts and bolts followed by some pliers going across the screen. The home improvement, uh, the grunt creep is coming in on a, uh, uh, another rope. rope, right? Yeah, with a saw. Yep. With the saw goes off, then the I think this is from season five. The uh, uh, claymation version of Tim Taylor falling mm-hmm. through the screen. Yep, yep. Brief cameo. Mm-hmm. Uh, grunt creep jacking himself up with a you know a jack and then falling down. Uh, Sander <laughs> goes across the screen. Then the actual home improvement logo in the background of what we've been watching comes alive, uh, and then scratches its head, and then we go to the logos. It, it was now, it was as, as though they just said this this episode was too solemn for bloops. Either that, or everyone <laughs> just everyone got everything right. They they all yeah. just got it in one. Yeah, but here here is my note on this: is mm-hmm. when the Taylors are away, the Grunt Creep will play. Oh, this is what was happening at their house while they were all off exactly. in Texas. Exactly. There's a whole Toy Story type movie to be made about all the transitions just frolicking around the Taylor home. <laughs> it's true. Um, Truman. Landon. <gasps> yes. How the many grunt grunts were in this episode? Uh, zero. Nope. One. And it came right what? at the end. Yep. J- Jill. No. Jill says that, you know, Tim has been, Jill says, you know, Tim, you've been doing such a good job taking care of me or something like that. And Tim goes, er? like he's, he seems confused as though he doesn't even know he has been taking care of her. Um, yeah. So it's one it's, what? and it's, it comes I, under I'm, the I'm sweetest circumstances. I'm replaying it in the background right now. I just to see, I'm not going to put the audio on, but just to see if I can find it. Oh my God. I just, that, that shocks me. You were too busy crying to notice the grunts. I, it might have been. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, holy, holy shit. Well, I'll tell you what. I stand at attention and salute this episode. That was uh, that was something. That that was something. There, there was more grunting in this episode than in, I feel like, the, the totally tool time episode where they have a man's... G- like, there is a whole... <laughs> Tribute to masculinity in that episode, and there's no grunting, versus this one that's a a mediation, meditation on loss. It's just, it's fascinating. Um, Okay, so we're going to have to uh, fold up the flag. What would the grunt grunt work flag be? Um, the grunt work flag would probably like if be... Like, we're, we're replacing the, the American flag now. We're taking that down. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're yeah. Replacing... It would be... Well, no, the, the grunt work flag would be an American flag, but we just replace one of the one of the bars with a color that is somehow representative of our show, and then we'd fly it from the back of our pickup truck when we drive around at grunt work rallies. Uh, no. The grunt work flag would probably be a flag with the grunt creep on it, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, um, or, <laughs> yeah, landed. I, I was, that was my last you're, you're, ditch you're, attempt. To, to, you're directing to me to you. the word, yeah. I was trying to, and you didn't even, you said bar instead of the actual Flagpole? words, which were stars and stripes. Stars and stripes, damn it. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I probably so still wouldn't have gotten there. I was I was closer to that than I was to fucking Gilman last week. But yeah, I, I wasn't gonna get it. Uh, Stars and stripes. Oh. Damn it. Okay. Well, all so right. So close. I'm. I'm as I, much I as you're. This... 
as much as you're learning about me, what kind of things I'll clue into, I'm learning about you, what kind of clues exactly. you'll give me. So we're gonna, we're gonna work towards one another here. And I think this creates a really like palpable tension uh, for our listeners to go, oh my god, they're gonna say the word. I, I yeah. But besides the besides the already existing sexual tension between us, now it will create a kind of <laughs> trivia quiz word tension that every show needs. That's why Pee Wee's Playhouse. Our, was so our big. general listeners get to hear. I mean, our our, our patrons get to hear it uh, week after week on our nights episodes. Oh boy! And make you play a game every other episode. Yes, yes, that's that. That is very true. This is you're just getting a little sample of what the subscribers get, folks. Huh. Uh, and speaking of the subscribers, Grunt Work is Same made ways. possible by our patrons. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to help us create the show, consider becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod, where you can get the entire archive of our Grunt Work Nights episodes for only a dollar if you want. Only a dollar. Um, leave us... <laughs> That's almost Irish of you. Leave, oh, only, only a dollar. dollar. Oh, nothing to see here. la di ta di ta Leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast because it's the fastest, easiest, and freest way to support us. It goes a long way to help others find the show. Stop by to say hi to us or or bye to us or <laughs> any other things you want to to us on Twitter or Instagram at GruntWorkPod or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com. Didn't miss it this time. Where you can also... <laughs> find other information on today's episode <laughs> for our weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released i think it's just muscle memory <laughs> at this it, point listen somewhere find... in the past i've forgotten why i laugh at it and now i laugh at the fact that i can't not laugh at it uh, look it's just, hard for me it, it, take the laughs where you can find them man it's a, it's a fucked up world out there until next week when we bring you the last episode of season six. I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, if you take a wrinkled dress shirt and you throw it in the dryer on low with a wet sock for like 20 minutes, that's basically as good as ironing it. Don't even fuck with the iron. Use the dryer and the wet sock. (laughs) 